and welcome to the Alien Minute, where the pot. Uh, Howdy and welcome to the Alien Minute, the podcast where we are looking at the movie Aliens in shit controlled bursts. I'm Jason Heck. And I'm John Engel, and today we're talking about Minute 127, which begins with Ripley, Newt, and Bishop heading out to get Hicks' stretcher, and ends with Ripley whispering to Newt to move. And you know why she's telling her to move? Because there's a gigantic alien queen. Ah, we haven't talked about that yet. Why are you... Jeez, man. Thing is like... We haven't gotten there yet. What? Yeah, we have. What? We haven't. We're, no, we're not. We got to talk about they're still hanging out with Hicks. Right. right. What I meant is sleep, sleep what she's Hicks. telling her to move for is because she wants to be alone with Hicks, where, for whom she, with whom the sexual tension has long been in a boiling point. Well, yes, that's true. No, no that's not. That's not. No, why. That's, that's not, not why, why, Jim. The sexual tension part is that's true. Of course, not it, why, Jimmy. What she wants to do is to get her away from the incredibly gigantic minion of hell that's unfolding itself from the dropship. But first, can we talk about the, the sequence of events that uh, takes place before? Oh the my alien god! Alien. Yeah, fine. So. Yeah. Well, we this is a chronological show. It, by nature, we should be talking about things somewhat. Normal. Whatever, fine. Yes, if you want to do the whole. So, this is what they did with the Herbie goes to Monte Carlo minute. They were all super chronological, mm-hmm. and that's why I only did 30, 33 episodes of that stupid podcast. So yes, we can talk well, about we, it chronologically. I mean, are you just trying to blow by the last time we will ever see Hicks? No, and it's you know it's actually kind of a nice shot. We hold on Hicks because Hicks is. You know, not only is he the lone survivor of, of you know, this team of, of badasses, ultimate badasses, but, you know, he's the guy who's directly responsible for Ripley and Newt's survival. And so we have kind of a nice lingering shot of him, um, a wounded warrior, you know, a guy who is blinded in one eye by acid, who uh, has, you know, burned through his armor. His armor saved him, but he's still a wreck. And Ripley feels no small amount of gratitude and tenderness toward him. Sure. He, he shot up some Oxycontin earlier and he's nodding off now and good for him. We he, talk he about the it. alien queen. Seriously, this is all well, fine and well and good. Yeah, but okay. Okay, 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 okay. So they get off the ship and Bishop and his no, 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 sneakers no, no, no. in his little jumpsuit. Oh my God. I'm not done talking about Hicks yet. Dumb podcast. God. <laughs> what? I mean, do you realize that, that we have the dual points of view that could be taken from this scene? We have lovely, peaceful, sleeping Hicks, sure. Ripley and Newt saying goodbye to him. Hey, thanks, buddy. Right. Um, we'll right. see you soon. Walking off, then the uh, the action of the rest of the movie occurs. They get in the cryo sleep and they go, you know, out into space. Uh-huh. And it's like, oh, cool. Well, Hicks is going to be fine, but then the alien three perspective. This is literally, he's already dead. Yeah. Hicks is already dead yeah. right now. Right. Cause you can only assume that he has never wakes up. I mean, unless somebody wants to imagine some scene where he woke up from his little Oxycontin nod off here and said, cool. Yeah. I'm ready to get to cryosleep before he goes into cryosleep. Then I suppose that takes a little bit of the pain out of it. But in my mind, he's already Best dead. to view <laughs> alien else? three as non-canon. Yeah, I, I mean, I honestly uh, look. I, I I remember seeing Alien Three in high school. Going to, I went on a double date with my girlfriend Kristen and her friend Linda and a guy named uh, uh, I don't know. He was an extra. Um, 
And I remember the beginning and I thought, oh, wow, this is interesting. It's picking up right where the first one, the second movie ended. And then they landed and Newt was dead and Hicks was dead. And it was dreadful. I, I instantly hated it. Um, and, and the movie honestly would have had a, a, a very rough time winning my affection back after um, the instant disposal of two crucial characters from a beloved sequel. I yeah. I mean, I feel the same it. way. I'm not, I'm not against the idea per se, but it doesn't help me like engage with right. you. If I think you, you want to keep me outside your movie, kill two people with whom I strongly identified in it's much better prequel. Yeah. So that's, that's how I feel too. But you know, some people like alien three, I, I get the instinct to go, um, you know, full on nihilistic with it. Uh, fine. I'm not against nihilistic filmmaking sometimes, but when I watch that movie, I'm immediately like, ugh, gross. I don't, I, I don't like it. I, I don't like that they did this to these guys. Now, what am I supposed to do? You, you, you just opened your movie by distancing yourself from me. So I have a problem with it. Teach his own, but I never engage. But getting back to this movie, I, I, I would rather, you know, take my point of view with Alien 3 as this. I don't want to think about that movie because I don't want Hicks to be right. dead right now. <laughs> I want to think about him moving on. And I think so many people do. I mean, to the point where there is, you know, concept art for a potential movie probably is never going to happen now, but a potential movie where Hicks is alive. And, um, you know, that, that was supposedly going to happen at some point. So there are people out there that do want, I mean, within the ranks of 20th Century Fox, apparently, that do want to eradicate Alien 3. Well, after the nihilism of Alien 3 and after the sheer wonkiness of Alien Resurrection, uh, it, it makes sense that there are people out there who think, you know, can't we just forget those two movies ever happened? Yeah, I mean, there's people out there doing that. So uh, there's obviously an instinct there. I think that the the majority of people still feel that way. Um, there's an awful lot of Alien 3 apologists out there, and that's great. I'm glad you guys enjoy the movie. Um, yes, and yes, I know the uh, assembly cut is better than the theatrical cut. Like all the things that we mm-hmm. hear all the time, that's great. You're right. And you're right, it is. It is a better movie. It's not a horrible movie. It's just. But that's like saying, that's like saying a, you know, a little cold is better than, you know, getting the, the mumps in a huge way. Yeah, well, exactly. But you still don't want to have a little cold. Yeah. No, that's you don't want to have a little cold. Yeah, I still that's the point of what I said. I it's, it's the, well, don't I focus on the mumps. I'm saying you don't want to have the cold well, anyway. Yeah. I get, well, I, get I, I, I don't, don't know say, that you get me. Same but. Time, at the same time, if you're going to go into the, the franchise and actually watch the movies, you could at least say to yourself, well, at least this isn't the mumps. Right. No, a cold. Keep moving through uh, it. I mean, some people just want to watch the whole thing and have a and have a way to rationalize the quality of it. Some people think Alien Three. You know, is the it's best not movie. helped by the fact that the that the digital effects on the on the dog Alien are really not convincing. The digital effects are still sort of in their infancy, and so they can't even really sell that. But that aside, I will say that Hicks absolutely deserves to survive. Hicks is, you know, he is the ultimate protector and warrior, and he actually has humanity beneath the bravado, and he doesn't even have that much bravado. I was infuriated by by how Hicks is treated in the third movie. Absolutely infuriated, because this is a really nice moment at the end. This, this lingering shot, which is the audience's chance 
to basically take in everything that Hicks did and look what it cost him. All of his friends, probably vision in one eye, probably a, a chunk of his face burned off. And yet there he is. And he, he actually did it for all of that suffering. He accomplished it. He kept the two women safe and got them out of there. I, I, I want to make sure that the language of that isn't confusing. He didn't keep the two women safe. He helped them. Well, his job get out was there. Yeah, Ripley keeps I'm, himself pretty damn safe. He says himself yeah, she can take care of saying. herself. His you job know. and his, 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 his only, I don't know, objective was to get them out of there and keep them safe. And he feel he, he can, he right. can safely think I did the best I could. And I, yeah. Okay. Ripley had to arm up and tape guns together and go back in and get her. But why? Well, Hicks has the, you know, Hicks is the guy who, who helped, you know, cut through that grating. And, and, you know, he was the guy who put his own, you know, escape on, you know, Hey Bishop, how soon is it going to be there? Great. We're not leaving. We're not. No, Hicks was the guy mm-hmm. who, who was there, who, who said, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to put my own survival second and we're going to try and do the right thing, even if it costs us all our lives. And yeah. so, yes, Ripley armed up. Ripley went in, kicked serious ass, but Hicks kicks him a fair amount of ass himself. Well, for sure. He's, it was a team effort. That's all I'm saying. But it, it just uh, for a moment there, it sounded like you said that you were saying that. No, it was, that was also them. a team effort. I, 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 I it was a bishop flying the the hoot nanny, the, uh, the 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 drop ship, and no, it was it was a very much a team effort. But um, Hicks, it's it is a nice mm-hmm. shot. It is, and it's but it's no way to it's no way to end a character's life. It, it, he deserves to, you know, if he's going to die, everybody else got to die in a blaze of glory. Like, why wouldn't Hicks? Yeah, Hicks I mean, that's, then, then you just blame, you know, Waylon Yutani's, you know, real world equivalent, the suits at 20th Century Fox, who thought that was a good idea. Um, but we also have, you know, the second grace note as as Bishop, um, you know, kind of said, hey, I, I didn't mean to scare you guys. And and Ripley has, has put her prejudice yeah. aside fully um, and, and said, man, you know, you 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 did a great job no kidding and um it's nice because bishop you know bishop has seemed occasionally throughout the movie a little spooky like when spunkmeyer brought him stuff and he was analyzing the face hugger and hello bishop do you need anything else and bishop was a little cold and a little spooky but here you know we have the two nice moments the first one where he gets on the uh, in the previous minute where he picks up the the, the headset and says hey it's okay we're okay and he you know there aren't a lot of things more soothing than Lance Henriksen's voice. So hearing your, your, your captain say, it's okay. We're going to be okay. Wow. That's, that's really nice. And then you have this great moment where, you know, the, the hard bitten woman who has lost everything over the course of two movies, you know, is actually fully prepared to, to take him on his own merits and put her prejudice aside and say, you know, you, you did it. We're here because of you. And it's a nice moment. It's a nice moment. I mean, it's a little the the sorry, but the platform was unstable part. Eh, I mean, it's kind of hammy, but I don't care because this is a character moment and it serves a purpose. And as far as the horror movie that we're having right. about to enter into for a moment, like you need to you need to like lull us again, lull us to sleep a little bit, make us like get lost in a little character moment, a tender moment. Um, so I don't care, and th- they need some kind of explanation. I mean, we can argue the merits of the entire 
uh, sequence of events that caused him to not be there at the platform. Fine. It's a little weak, but I don't care at this point. At this point, it's like, okay, give us a little explanation. Cause if you're watching this movie for the first time, you are, you are going, okay, wait a minute. What was he? Why was he not there in the first place? Why did he come out of nowhere? So we get a little bit of a, just like quick. All right. Just to make sure everybody, nobody's like thinking right. about that shit right now. Let's just have him say the platform was unstable. Sorry. Didn't mean to scare you. Then we get the moment between him and Ripley, which is great. Because then we're like on oh right, right you can when. also buy the ex- you can also buy the explanation because you know it was lightning storms and explosions and and flying metal so you know it I can actually buy it um you know everything was falling apart around them um you're right it's it's a little it, it can feel a little contrived in terms of of its timing but I will say that you know in terms of the you know they were flying inside a gigantic fusion reactor that was falling apart around them so i will give it some credence yeah it's fine it's not i'm not totally against it or anything. i'm just saying that this has that feel of like it almost could have been 80 yard in kind of a sure oh god we better let the audience know what was going on there you know but you know that it had forethought so that wasn't the case but um it doesn't matter to me like it doesn't matter to me that this feels a little, you know, just in this minute, maybe when I'm focusing on that line, I'm like, yeah, that sounds a little weak, a little like last minute sketched into the script just to make sure it was perfectly clear, but it doesn't matter because it's the moment that we're right. Get is so incredible. And it's all the, the little exchange between Ripley and Bishop that happens before this moment is, is crucial. I think to the surprise, I think that it's night. It's, it's a nice idea uh, to lull us into a character moment uh, where we see two characters kind of coming together. Finally, Oh, this closes the arc between Ripley and Bishop. And that feels has a really yeah. strong sense of finality. So it's almost as if she's kissed nude on the cheek. She said goodbye to Hicks. And now she's uh, resolving her issues with Bishop. What's left. Nothing could be left. And I think again, like you said yesterday, our reptile brains, that know how to read movies automatically are now saying right. nothing. You're is just left. ready for her to spin around. It's ready for her to spin around and throw her beret up in the air. And we freeze and you're going to make it after executive producer, James L. Brooks. Congratulations. You did yep. it. Ripley. You've, you've, you've crossed every T you've, you've dotted every I you've handled all your, you know, all your relationships. You're ready to move on. And Bishop, yep. Here's a little hiss down by his little trainer. And, uh, well, I'll be honest with you. Then his chest explodes. So what do you, what do you think of, do you like the, um, cause there's two ways they could have gone with this. They could have just cut to the chest, you know, stabbing mm. the milk mm. spewing. Do you like the little beat? With I do. The do you think that's necessary? I like it too. I'm just wondering, is it necessary? I just kind of want to explore. The I like it because really. it's a, it's a little bip on the nose of the audience. Like, Oh, you didn't think I was done. Did you? And then, boop, yep. and then his chest explodes, which is great because to Ripley's perspective, it looks like a chest burster, right? It's, it's, it's the, it's, it's the primitive, sure. you know, image of the chest jutting out under the, 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 um, clothing and it and it very much mirrors her nightmare from the beginning of the movie. So I think it's great how it does that. Um but it's it's absolutely horrific what's occurring. It's it's violent and disgusting and our primitive brains are recoiling as we see this guy who just had his redemptive hero moment 
spewing this white liquid, his 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 android blood, and then you know the 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 tail, this wicked barbed primitive reptilian scorpion thing just blasts through him completely and the effect is phenomenal the execution is so great in terms of practical effects it's, it's amazing i think it's an, an, an incredible sequence it's it's incredible and it's one of those things that when you listen to you know stan winston and galen hurt are the voices on the commentary during this part when you hear them talk about it they kind of they kind of talk about it they kind of gloss over it i mean they're very you know excited and happy about how the effect turned out they don't really go into too much detail about how it works and when you hear them explaining it you're like the the little bit that they explain it you're like well that's that seems too simple and for what comes out there like it seems it's one of those effects that you're like okay i can kind of figure out how you did it but at the same time i'm like i don't know how you did it well you know what the- i mean it's like there's a there's a clear answer to the how the effect right. works but at the same time, it looks so. Yeah, good. when the tail's lifting him up, that's where he, that's where I buy it. That's when the tail is lifting him up, and he's still flailing and everything else. That is the David Copperfield moment. That's like, how are they no, doing no, that? That's, that's amazing. It's really amazing. But even this opening, like you get, you know, like you said, the under the clothing effect. That's pretty yeah. simple. Then, then you get the tail come through completely, and that's a little bit like, okay, I can kind of understand how that works, but how also, you know, the way they describe it, and I'm going to read a little bit. I went to the uh, Stan, Whips, uh, Stan Winston's website, uh, Stan Winston School You're of such Effects, a nerd. Special Effects website. And because uh, I want to like go through this exactly how it went down. So he says for the, for the initial like tail coming through, it says rather than to do a standard slant board, fake body effect. Um, so don't, no dummy or anything. They wanted Hendrickson there. Um, they designed the shot so the bishop would be standing upright in full view when the queen's tail burst through his chest. Tom Woodruff Jr. and Alec Gillis built a chest plate for Lance Henriksen, complete with a flexible rubberized tail that was pushed flat down. So you think that tail is made of rubber mm-hmm. and it's flexible enough that you could smash it all the way down into inside of his shirt, right? Onto that chest plate. And then at the start of the shot, the tail's laid flat and then it's pulled by uh, like a filament wire mm-hmm. just to look like it had just come out. Now, doesn't that sound easy to spot? Like to me, that sounds like, okay, surely if I like pause this or something, I'll see this effect. I don't see it. It's really good. It's done in such a way. It's like, that sounds so low budget and easy. Right. But and there's, at the same time, it looks so perfect and real. There's easy done right and easy done wrong, right? What's easy done wrong? Probably the cockroaches pulled by wires in damnation alley right that looks mm-hmm. stupid that's and they're supposed to be invisible and yet it looks stupid because i don't know if jack smite didn't care or his effects guys didn't really care but that looks dumb and yet you i think when you have somebody like cameron so demanding such a taskmaster such you know honestly he's a yeller he's a a guy who has his vision and doesn't want it compromised I think you combine that, call it mania, if you want, with his eye for detail. And, you know, the people who work for him know that asses will sting if they don't pull this off. And so Mm -hmm. I think that incentivizes them to get it right. And I'm sure, I I don't mean to say he's a martinet on the set. I don't mean that. I'm sure there's there's cooperation and, uh, you know, uh, how can we make this vision happen? But I think that, that Cameron's singleness of purpose 
is such that that he can kind of in, infuse the people who work for him with that and make them do their best. So yeah, okay, it's all, you know, everything works, lighting, editing, everything to sell the effect. But I think there is that extra I don't know, the the idea that, you know, he he not only gets the best people he can, but he makes them give their best every single time. Yeah, for sure. And um yeah, I mean, there's more, you know, we'll see that more here as I describe further. So I'm going to go all the way through the effect right up in, until, you know, until he's on the ground. Basically. Okay. So here's part two. Okay. So the next shot, which is when he starts to be lifted, is um, what he describes as an arrow through the head type rig built by John Richardson's special effects crew. It says Henriksen wore the, a harness that had the rigid tailpiece in the front while the backside was connected to the puppet. Henriksen's feet are not visible in the frame, which is something that you never look at. Oh, like this is this is one of those things. When I read this, I said I had to go back and look. I said, "Holy shit, that's right!" Yeah, I always see it in my mind as a wider shot. Yeah, where you can see his entire body going up, but it's not at all because they know like why the why the fuck would you be looking at his feet? You've got a protruding tail. You got milk spewing up. We're revealing the alien behind him. No, at no point are your eyes ever going to go down. So they can sell this effect. Basically, he was on a teeter-totter. Huh. And they pushed him up with a teeter-totter as the as the puppeteer, you know, pulled up with the tail and everything just kind of matched movement. It's all so simple. God. It's very simple wow. and beautifully done. Wow. Now the next part's the trickiest part to me. Like so they had to shoot this first. Like the, it doesn't say that here, but I'm just, you know, logically speaking. They had to shoot this first and get his face um, just where it was like, and decide, I guess on the final shot, like, okay, this is the final version of him lift being lifted by the queen mm-hmm. that we're then going to cut to this wider shot. And so then Richardson's crew, I guess it was, um, Woodruff and Gillis again, they built a, this time they did build a dummy. They built a big dummy and matched his expression perfectly with the last shot. So they have a big, um, you know, Hendrickson expressive, uh, Lance Hendrickson dummy on, uh, the tail and it says it devised an actual, they devised an actual breakaway mechanism, a spring loaded am- armature inside the dummy that would split it in half when activated Oh my God. Um, to make it look as if the oh, queen had ripped him apart. Obviously the queen's hands were fit into the slots of the dummy, causing them to move with the spring loaded action. So there's puppeteering like matched puppeteering. You had to have that armature go. And then you had to have the puppeteers pull the hands at the same time, or maybe the hands pulled away when the armature went so anyway um that's it you know and that that, and according to the commentary heard and winston say it took him two days just to set this shot up um we talked about that a little bit last week because we were wondering were there any other options for an ending here any other options laid out for what would happen to bishop or how this would all go down and i was saying like i don't think so because they they were pretty invested in the shot that's working so um that's, that's like a masterclass in practical effects. Yep. And wow. You know, and then everything they're doing, we'll talk more about the puppet throughout the week, but everything they're doing here is like a kitchen sink effect thing. Like they're, they are throwing everything they know about special effects into like individual shots. God. Like all the techniques they know. And then all the, in, 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 in sequences, they're, te- they're mixing, uh, you know, the world's largest puppet ever used, uh, marionette puppet ever used in film history with a miniature and matching it perfectly. You know, the, I could be re- very effusive about the special effects this week though. All of this, and this is the most crucial 
part of the movie yeah. if you think about it. Can you imagine what this movie would have, how this movie would have gone had this not worked? Right. Had, had any of this not worked? Had Andy Sedaris directed it? Right. Well, a lot more tits and guns, but this you're 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 right. It's amazing because um, it's it's something that you think like a really well equipped college drama department could pull off, right? Except mm. for except for the 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 intricacy of the puppet, but the actual effect of having a you know it's just wow. That's really you know, cool. Yeah, you could do something in you know, a low budget version of him being lifted by the tail. If you think about it, as long as you don't show the feet, I think they did that as in long as you're Dan Winston's pumpkin head. I'm sure, you know, to me, this is some of the most risky. If you think about it, how risky is this sequence? Like this is just so risky because you've got all this goodwill going into, you've got a third act done. You're done. Yeah. You could have ended the movie. I mean, is that what they were thinking? Perhaps maybe it isn't as risky as I'm thinking. Were they thinking, okay, we've got a movie. We can do this. And if it doesn't work, we can cut it. Is that what they're thinking? Maybe, but oh, really? So if me, it doesn't work, then you just end with "Hey, we did it, and that's it." You don't even have the queen. I, I mean, it's better than showing something that doesn't work, I guess. On your budget but, of what seventeen million, they've already spent what how no a million on the on the queen. Yeah, I mean, no, we we already have the queen. The queen has worked. Yeah. She's already worked once. We don't really have to have her back now. To me, the movie would have been borderline forgettable without some of the stuff that happens in this, like not forgettable. It would have been great, but some of the stuff that happens in this uh, week's minutes are what really drives it home. I think it's really what takes it, uh, takes it home for a lot of people. I think you're right. It's crucial in one way, but it could have been cut and you still would have salvaged a movie is what I'm saying. You could, uh, you still could have salvaged something from what you had up to the mushroom cloud, the ascension into space. You could have done something if this all went to shit, but Instead, they just made they did it perfect. I mean, this week is 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 some of the most perfect special effects editing and puppeteering rendering of special effects I've ever, uh, in movie history, and it's one of the things that makes this movie so wonderful and so memorable, and and uh, you know, once has me wanting to talk about it minute by minute. You know, so um, that's it. That was just a little basic rundown from Stan Winston School. I went, went uh, into this moment just of tearing Bishop apart. It's a I, I like knowing how it happened. I'll, I'll, I guess it's it's funny, but the, knowing that it was even simpler than I could have imagined makes it actually all the more amazing. Yeah, because I know it's it's, it's ingenuity, it, it, not it, money. You know, it's that's yeah. that that's really neat to me. I mean, because now this wouldn't have required any real challenge. Like you could have seen his feet dangling, you tear him in half, blah blah blah. You know. It, the fact that there was a challenge to it, there was a budget restraint, there was all this stuff in the way, and yet they pulled it off, uh, makes it all the more great. So, yep. Um, there's more to talk about as the week goes on. There's a lot. Of, I mean, this is a heavy effects heavy week for sure. So, we'll talk about it some more. Um, uh, yeah. So, so we've well, we've got Bishop um, torn apart, but not terminated. We are we, he we see his torso with his guts hanging out. Um, but but he's very much alive in that in the sense that his eyes are open and he is gaping in horror at the alien queen and we have this beautiful shot of her unfolding herself from the nook on the mm. dropship and it's fantastic it is Which, it is puppeteering at its 
best. I don't even want to know how many people were inside her or the dropship moving all of those arms and the head and the jaws, but it's magnificent. Yeah, the, I, I have in my notes that with all that we've seen, like I love the beautiful queen reveal in the egg chamber. Mm-hmm. I love her picking up Bishop and throwing. I love her coming out of the elevator. This is the best moment to me because this is the one moment where she truly looks like something organic. Like everything, there's so much moving. So It's so fluid. Every The way it's lit, everything that they did here for this, this one little moment really sells it because sometimes she doesn't look real. And, and I don't have a problem with that. Like we'll see here in um in a couple of minutes, for instance, like when she's really moving down a corridor, she's really running. Nobody's going to be able to argue to me that that looks real. No, no. At the end, the end no. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. But this is like creepy, slithery, fluid movement, alien queen. And it makes this moment, uh, which is a quiet moment. Now, now we've had this like ripping apart of a Android, right. uh, synthetic person, uh, horrifying moment and then we get ripley coming face to face with it again going oh shit uh this is my worst nightmare back again Mm -hmm. and the queen it's got to be a nice little moment kind of get what i mean it's like got to be beautiful in a way for it to really i think to be the chilling creepy moment that it is and so the the puppet needs to sell it needs to be sold to me at least as being real and it is they did a great job and again it's carefully shot you don't see much of her really that you know it's it's about what you don't see um, that helps it because you're not seeing these huge chunks of her huge body that are doubtless taken up, you know, by guys wearing 1980s clothing and, and holding sticks or wires or whatever. But um, the way she moves out is she has this very, this, this very um, lethal purposefulness to her. Like she slides down and the way she moves toward Ripley, basically it's, I am here to kill you. That's why I stowed away. That's why I'm here. It's not really about survival. Mm-hmm. That's kind of it. But I am here right now to do to you what I just did to your little robot buddy. Well, I would argue one thing about that. But you know what? That really should wait till tomorrow because what it, my argument doesn't happen until tomorrow. The thing that uh, my evidence, I should say. So maybe we should move on to tomorrow. Are you admissible? But well, it just let's also see that that Ripley has another instantaneous mom moment where yep. she has this thing again. The sum total of every nightmare that she's had for fifty-seven flipping years, looking at her, walking toward her. Her only thought is for the kid. Yep. And she tells her to and, run uh, because one thing Newt's good at is running and hiding. We know that. And and shrieking. But she is really, really, really good at running and hiding. And the Sulaco has a lot well, we, of places to hide. Yeah. And that's definitely stuff we can talk about tomorrow because there's more of that. And, and I don't know that I'm going to be back tomorrow. Okay. Well, a pretty um, busy schedule. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for Minute 127. You can find us at AlienMinute.com on uh, at Twitter at AlienMinutePod on Instagram at Alien Minute Podcast at T Public at Alien Min. Min, I think. Or, I Alien thought it was Alien Minute. Max. It's Alien Minutes. Just type in Alien right, Minute T right. Public on Google. You'll and, get uh, uh, Got some t-shirts over there if you want to come over and buy some. They're on sale, I think, all the way through Christmas. So come on over and, and grab those. And yeah, you can buy you know buy your mom a, a laptop cover with the Alien Minute. Moms love aliens. Yes, they do. They love podcasts. All and mom a, club podcasts. A, and a very happy Christmas to all of our listeners. And uh, joyous Kwanzaa.
uh, happy Hanukkah. Oh, um, Festivus for Ooh. the rest of us, whatever. All right. So, uh, yeah, that's minute 127. We'll see you tomorrow for minute 128.